Today is, in fact, the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we will live. Times such as these, as it says in the book of Esther, there are unique responsibilities. One of them is, I believe that we live in a time of choosing. Really honored to bring onto the phone a great, great pastor. Jim Putnam joins us, Real Life Ministries, Post Falls, Idaho, one of the most successful disciple-making churches in the United States. In fact, teaches other churches how to make disciples. Uh, pastor Putnam, welcome back, or welcome to the Todd Herman Show. It's great to be here. Thanks, Todd. It's uh, an honor to have you here. I have um, You have a new book coming out that makes an extraordinary explanation of of, of discipleship, and in fact, of Christ Jesus. It's called um, The Revolutionary Disciple. So you make a claim in the book um, that I think is extraordinary, that that one of the things that, that was so revolutionary um, in Christ's time on earth was that he acted with humility. Can, can we unfold that a bit for people? Yeah, I think, you know, as a Christian, our view of what maturity looks like is Jesus. He's the one we follow. He's the perfect representation of God. He is God the Son. And, you know, we're told in Romans eight twenty nine that we're being conformed into the likeness of Christ. I would say the defining characteristic of Jesus um, is humility. And some might say, well, it's love, but love scripturally is an act of the will to lay down your life for another. It's agapao or agape love. So humility is to lay down your life for the good of another. And he is the perfect picture of humility, which makes him revolutionary. You know, most of it, it, when you look at the different religious leaders other than Jesus, he he was humble in the way he responded to everyone. And that's what makes him revolutionary. You mentioned him acting in humility towards everyone, and I'm, I'm picturing his interaction with um, with Pilate and an inter- interaction with some of the Pharisees. Is is it humble when he says, um, you know, you have no no power over me, but that which my Father grants? And I think I know the answer, but what's how do you describe the humility in that when when Christ said that uh, to the authorities? He's saying in that passage that. Um, God the Father is sovereign, and and the reason that Jesus was being humble before Pilate is because what Pilate was doing was a part of God's overall plan. He was submitting himself to the Father, who then was asking him to submit himself to human authority. And so when you look at Jesus' interaction with Pilate, Jesus' interaction at, at all those levels, uh, Philippians 2 says that though he was God, he didn't embrace equality with God or hold on to his divine privileges, but made himself nothing, becoming a servant, even to the point of death. Jesus was ultimately saying that what we do with human authority, uh, we do for the Lord because he asked us to. He, in his case, it's the Father who asked him to for the greater good uh, uh, and, and the plan to redeem all of mankind entailed him going to the cross and submitting to Pilate's authority. Jim, I also would think that, that Christ Jesus from the cross, had he chosen to, could have, in fact, called an army of angels and wiped out the entire Roman Empire and said, how do you like that humility? But he didn't do that. Yes, he could have done anything he he wished, and he had the power to do that, but he used his power to lay down his life so that people could understand the heart behind every rule he ever made. Every rule he ever made was for our good. Uh, he knows things we don't know. He sees things we don't see. And though we don't see them, we, we are asked to trust him, and we didn't. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, or excuse me, the Garden of Eden, the devil said, 
you know, God said this, but he's really trying to keep you down, right? And, and he's really trying to keep you from being like him. And, and we bought into the lie that the rules were given, you know, to hold us down rather than for our protection and our own good. So Jesus came to say, hey, I want you to understand the heart. I think on the cross, Jesus is saying, yes, there's a penalty for sin. Righteousness is expected, and judgment is the, is the cost of, of, of uh, sin, and I'm going to punish sin. But on, at the same time, on the cross, Jesus is saying, but I don't want to. His hands are out saying, you know what, I'm here because I want you to see my heart. I want you to know I love you. And I will judge, but I don't want to. But you get to choose. You get to choose judgment, or you get to choose a relationship with me. And he's really asking the question, you know, you're living in this broken world. You have a sin nature. You have the devil. You have all these things going down. um, And the world has been cursed. But I've allowed that so that, because you're a, a being of choice, I've allowed that. Now I'm showing you how much I love you, and, and I'm hoping you're going to see this, and, and I'm hoping you're going to say, I've had enough of this world the way it is. I want you as much as you want me. That's the offer of the cross. And, and in humility, Jesus was showing his heart so that we could understand the reason behind his rules. And Jim Putnam's with us, co-author of a book called The Revolutionary Disciple. I got a preprint of the book and was honored to write a, a note on the, uh, when we used to have dust covers of books, I guess we still do, the physical copies. And I expressed to you, Jim, that I have a conflict. And I've confessed this to you as a pastor, that I have a conflict. I have a job to do as a talk show host. I talk about mistakes I think rulers make, that leaders make. And sometimes I consider them to be, uh, in fact, against our own laws, against our own authority, against our Constitution. And so I have this responsibility to do this show this way. I also have a responsibility because of, of great pastors like you to try to do this in a humble way and not run afoul of things. So I want to ask, I want to take, we're, we'll take a quick traffic break in a second here, but I want to set this question up really carefully, that there are efforts, and I'm going to give you an example. In Washington State, the current Speaker of the House over there decided to try to make it legal for people to sue you, Jim, individually, or a pastor in Washington State, because they were personally offended by something said in church, that the state would step in on your behalf and say, yes, we agree, this was offensive, pastors can't say this. So let's talk about when we push back, when we don't, and then I do want to work COVID into this conversation. Jim, if the government came to you, the authorities, and said, um, Jim Putnam, you could no longer preach traditional marriage in your church, or you can no longer preach um, the sin of adultery in your church, would you obey that order? No. If the Bible speaks to something, says something is sin, um, you know, my call is to preach what the Bible actually says, regardless of what happens. And the first disciples did that. They were commanded not to speak about Jesus in in the book of Acts, you know. And, and Peter said, you tell me who it's better to listen to, you or to God. I cannot help but speak. Uh, the disciples themselves, all they would have had to have done is shut up and they would have been fine. But the disciples themselves uh, chose to live that out in a culture in in Israel, which was uh, anti-Christian, even though Christians had come from the Jewish 
faith. The, the Jews themselves persecuted Christians there. Uh, many came to know the Lord, but many persecuted. Rome uh, chose to persecute, and they gave up their lives for the truth. But the early Christians also tell us to obey the authorities because they've given, been given their position from God. That's First um, Peter 5, Romans 13. And so there are things that we're called on to obey our leaders, and the Bible, Romans 13, says exclusively there. I mean, it says, pinpoint, we're to obey those leaders because they have been placed in those positions by God. But that same guy who wrote that, Paul, was beheaded because he would not say Nero was God. So whereas he did not um, come against the Roman government on many of the things that they were doing that would have been um, anathema to a believer, abortion, several of those things, they would have said those things were absolutely wrong, but the government was um, pr- promoting those things and, and, and that that was legal. They said, okay, I will not speak against uh, Jesus. I will not stop preaching about Jesus, but and, and we will not participate in abortion. But if the Roman government is not asking me to sin, then I'm, I'm to be obedient, humble myself, submit to authority, and I'd have a humble attitude no matter what. Uh, Paul didn't scream and yell at Nero and defiantly stick out his chest and say, you can't tell me what to do. You know, the disciples said, you know what, um, Sanhedrin, Nero, whoever, um, I want to be respectful to you. I want to be honorable in the way I speak, but I will not follow you when you ask me to contradict Scripture, even to the point of death. So that's the nuanced sort of thing that we as believers need to work out. Uh, We need to work out the fact that we're Christians first. Our Constitution, primary Constitution, is the Word of God. Secondarily, we're under authority to the government, and where it does not contradict, we need to be obedient. And even if we disagree and have to stand against them, there needs to be humility in us in how we do that, respect and honor in how we do that. And I think that's the part that I struggle with. And and I would say that for me, and I know you're a history major as well, Jim Putnam's with us, he's co-author of a book called The Revolutionary Disciple. Get a copy. It's good. It's it's a fa- fascinating read, whether you're Christian or not. It's important if you're Christian. It's vital. Text Todd, T-O-D-D, to 800-465-8770. We'll check traffic with Right Way Traffic. Jim Putnam is with me. Real Life Ministries is one of the most successful disciple-making churches in the country. They're asked to teach other churches what it means to make disciples in relational environments. Jim is a co-author of a book called The Revolutionary Disciple. Um, Jim, I believe—I know you're a history major. The law of our land, to me, the ultimate authority is our Constitution. Um, the ultimate authority above that is God's law. So let me give you this example where I struggle. I look at um, these mRNA injections that people call vaccines, and I see a series of lies built around the COVID flu. I believe that efficacy of masks are lies. So I haven't worn one because I feel like I'm wearing a, a lie on my face that is scaring people. And I'm not going to take the injections in that I watched the World Health Organization and the CDC literally erasing the existence of the immune system God Almighty created in our body. How did I mean, how do you feel about that? Am I in, in trouble spiritually? Am I am I going against God in that? Well, I would say a couple of things. First, 
as a Christian, there are things that are black and white. There's no other way to salvation except through Christ. None. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Absolute truth. I have to preach it. You tell me I can't. I'm going to preach it and teach it to believers. Now, you, you take the issue of vaccine and some of these other issues. Um, I, I understand your case, and, and I understand that you have a walk with God, Todd. I've seen that. I will wear a mask if they demand that I wear it. Uh, I will get a vaccine if they mandate it in my state. They haven't. I haven't to this point gotten it. I've had COVID. I think I have natural immunity. I, I tend to agree with you on that subject. If you were to ask me, do I have a constitutional reason why I shouldn't have to take that? I would give you constitutionally several reasons why that isn't right. And, and politically, I would vote against that. I would do those things. The Bible makes it very clear in Romans 14. Romans 13 says be obedient uh, to, to submit to authority. But Romans 14 deals with what happens amongst believers that has a different opinion than you do. And the Bible says that some people whose faith is weak will not allow them to eat certain foods. Um, but others, you know, Paul says, I know that this food is clean and I can eat it. But don't, don't cause another brother to stumble based on your rights. So you have the right to do this, you have the right to do that, but don't cause another brother to stumble. And then he goes on and says, but, but for him, he says, don't allow anyone to say, something is evil that you you think is good, but ultimately keep it between yourself and God. And his goal here is to say there are things that are black and white, but there are all kinds of differing discussions within the church. And and those are issues of conscience, and you should follow your conscience, because Scripture also says that if you don't follow your conscience, for you it's sin. Um, I think sometimes our consciences can be uh, wrong based on our teaching, and, and but ultimately, Scripture says, who are you to judge another man's servant. So here's what I would say to you. Though I have a different opinion than you, I think constitutionally you're right. I would have a different opinion religiously, um, as far as I understand Scripture. If they mandate in Idaho that we'll wear a mask, the staff will wear a mask, because we're going to be obedient to the authority. But we're not going to make anybody wear one that doesn't want to wear one. We're not going to judge you based on that. We're going to make sure, as much as it depends upon us, that nobody judges. When it comes to vaccine, we have people who work in Washington. It's not very far away. It's been mandated over there. We are saying, hey, follow your conscience. That may mean you lose your job. If that's what your conscience really says, it, you may lose your job. You will as of October 18th. Some are asking for a religious exemption. I don't think you can make a case biblically to give them a religi religious exemption. Um, I think, again, you can make a constitutional case, but my first and foremost obligation is to the Bible. And the Constitution itself was set up so that it can be changed based on the understanding of the Supreme Court. Once it becomes the law of the land, whether I agree with it or not, the Constitution is interpreted by the Supreme Court. You have to decide where your conscience lies. Let's say that you decide to stand up and, and you follow your conscience. Scripture makes it very clear, though, in how we are standing, what we say, how we do it. We need to be Christ-like. We cannot fight like the devil for the things of God. We can't be abusive in our language. The Bible says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. The way you stand up needs to be respectful, stand strong, but stand in a godly way 
that shows the fruit of the Spirit. Jim Putnam's with us. He's the co-author of a book called The Revolutionary Disciple. It's an important book to really, I think, challenge us in terms of this humility, because, Jim, you just you just went to the heart of things for me. Jim, I've got a job to do at the radio station, and on this, this podcast, we've been blessed with this national audience, courtesy of Rush, God rest them. Um, and we have an opportunity to, uh, in, to some degree, ex- explain this time of choosing. I don't have your education or your qualifications, so I'm not qualified to preach. But we get an opportunity to do this. But I talk about politics, and sometimes politics are rough. But sometimes I need to call things straight out. These people intend to destroy this country. These t- people are purchasing access to your kids' bodies. And I do these things also in a format of talk radio that needs to command attention. The first time you and I spoke, I told you, I confessed to you, man, this is hard for me given what I do for a living. And you said, I'll never forget it. You said, yeah, you're in a really tough spot. Um, so is this, can I even do radio the way I do radio and, and keep my head above water in relation to being a, a Jesus follower? Well, that's a great question. And you are in a difficult spot. And being surrounded by this much vitriol and this much deception and both sides clamoring, and man, I pray for you all the time. Again, all I can do is go to the Word of God, okay? And here's what uh, 2 Timothy 2 says, verse 23. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish and ignorant arguments and only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instructing those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. I'm a fighter, too. I'm a college, I was a college wrestler. I get it. My first reaction when my Olympic, Olympic system goes off is not freeze and it's not flight. It's fight. And so, And these people are harming people by their views. But I have to remember that it's the enemy that's captured them oftentimes. Some of them are intentionally evil and maybe have even joined the devil's team and they know about it. But many of them have been deceived and fooled. This is the nuance. How do I protect people from the enemy or those who even duped into being enemies? At the same time, keep my heart open to God wants to save them. And, and so for me, there is a place that I will fight. I, I mean, I will. I'm not a pacifist. There is a place that I will fight. I will defend my family, but I hope that my heart's not going, man, I hope somebody breaks into my house this week so I can see somebody. <laughs> when they're, don't, when they're, don't pick when Jim's wounded, house. Right? <laughs> don't when take my wounded, advice. Don't pick Jim's don't house. Pick <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope, you know, I, 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 I hope I'm not like, I hope I, if I had to shoot them, I hope that they would live through it so I could share Christ with them and yeah. take them to the hospital. But the truth yep. is I need to stand on truth, but remember who the real enemy is and speak in a way about people, uh, that's honoring, you know, Peter did not, Jesus did not call Pilate all sorts of names and he never espoused for us to do that. And so you're in a tough spot. And again, there's, you know, to do your job, there's these people that want you to be all kinds of angry and mad. And, and drama draws people. And, and, you know, so how do you keep your ratings? But the truth is, if you have to get in the mud hole with these people and speak the way they do to get uh, an audience, I hope that you'll walk away from that job because you just won't do it. You will not fight like the devil for the things of God. I hope you don't have to do that. God is worthy. He's trustworthy. He's got things in control. None of this is – he's not going, oh, I didn't see that coming. 
He knows the end from the beginning, and we can trust God to even supply our livelihood if we have to, even if we have to change. Well, so that goes back to the book, Revolutionary Disciple. It relates very specifically to having read the preprint copy, what struck me, what convicted me in my heart. We all fight this political battle. I believe this book, The Revolutionary Disciple, can make sure that we fight this battle, but we don't fall into the hands of the enemy by doing what he would have us do, which, as Jim said, is fight like the devil for the things of God. Text Todd, T-O-D-D, to 800-465-8770. You get a version of the book where you can purchase it before it officially comes out. Uh, Jim, I always say thank you to my guests in the following way, ever more so with you. Thank you for coming on the Todd Herman Show. And Jim Putnam, go with God's good grace. Thanks, my friend. Praying for you. Thank you.